later on, please. Remember that one. Oh. Hey, welcome to Slough Egg Radio Volume yeah. 1. Yeah. Episode 1, Season 1. I thought this is Episode 2. Well, this is the what first is one episode to Episode 1 of this, yeah. Tell you, you're right. This is Adrian Maestas from Slough yeah, Egg, bass player. This is are. the air of Mike Scalzi. The rain. We're here. We're here at proper social distancing, doing more, uh, playing more music for you and answering questions, and talking about the fact that rock and roll is quarantined right now. And we're not happy about it, but we're going to stick it out and get through it so we can get back and do it the all-American way. We're going to stick it out and play some records. Stick it out, man. This is Heavy Metal Rules.
This was on the Miskatonic release, right? Yeah, Yeah, this Miskatonic release, REH number 001. This is copy number 72 out of 500. That was 2004. 2004, we think. And we recorded that with John Cobbett and Greg Hay on drums and Adrian on bass and me. And um, that was, we just, while that was playing, we realized it was recorded. Uh, in our rehearsal studio the night before Hammers of Misfortune, which John and I were both in, 2004, left on a, a national tour, which is the first really long, you know, like five-week national tour that, that we'd done. And um, I remember that we used some guy's amp. Like, all, all the amps, we were just talking about this, too, that I remember that all of our amps Packed in the van, right? Equipment were packed in the Hammers and Misfortune van. And so we came down to record this, and we're like, I guess I forgot, or you know, Adrian didn't know because he was he was recording it on what would you record it on again? That was on a uh, I believe a Tascam 388 eight track cassette player. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so what we came down, oh, the amps are in the van, how are we going to do this? And so we asked some dude. We could use his amp. It was like a Sun uh, amp, and we we plugged it in, and it sounded okay. And then John came down. And he's like, "I've got ten minutes to do this solo. I'm packing for the tour tomorrow." Blah blah. blah. So he did that that second solo you heard, which is pretty awesome actually, because John worked pre- works pretty well on the fly. Anyway, that was heavy metal rules. And then we took off and did that uh, Hammers tour. Came back for a week or something. Is or that five the one days. where the van broke down like fifty no, miles away? No, no, no. <laughs> that was the one where I don't. Oh, was it? See, that's the thing. I, no, I think that was the one that we didn't break down on, but it could it could have been 2003 then. I'm not sure. I think it was 2004 when we, yeah, there was one where we broke down at, like in Livermore or something, like right outside of town. Like 40 miles yeah, outside we of San screwed. Francisco. And then we, we blew the uh, head gasket and had to come back and then rent a van. It was incredible. Blew a expensive. gasket, bro. Blew a head gasket, bro. <laughs> and then we had to do it, yeah. Anyway, and then we were back home and then we went to Europe with Slaufeg for a couple weeks afterwards. <laughs> So uh, once again, yeah. we're here to play some records. Uh, this is oh, going to be one called Skullview. We're going to do Skullview, man. We played with these guys in uh, a couple times in different places. Kalamazoo, Michigan at the State Theater. And um, somewhere else. Uh, in uh, uh, Germany. Keep it true, I think. Well, I think. Skullview. Skullview. 
Like okay, so that was Powers Court. Powers Court. You said that, that was, was a. Danny Powers. It's from the 90s, right? Oh, that was from 95, 96. I haven't talked to her for years, but I love that album, the first Powers Court album. Where are they from? Uh, I think St. Louis, Missouri. They were our label mates with Dragonheart eventually, but not on that record. They self-produced that record. I, that was in the very early days of the resurgence of underground heavy metal in the mid to late 90s, meaning obviously underground heavy metal started a long time before that. But kids these days don't all know. A lot of younger people who listen to heavy metal or even people who are in their 30s and stuff now uh, might not remember that from 90 from about 91, 92 till about 98, 99 in there, heavy metal was not cool in America at all because it was the grunge era um, and the you know glam metal and the it, it, ladies. It was not glam. popular at all. Yeah, well, glam, you know, Sunset Strip, glam metal, uh, you know, White Lion, uh, uh, Poison, all that stuff that came sort of in the late 80s. Uh, pissed everyone off and gave him a bad taste for heavy metal. Decline of the Western Civilization Volume 2. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but some of that stuff was cool, but then the stuff that I didn't like was just like the bands I just named that came later yeah. and really cheesed out. And then, um, so, you know, uh, but I know this is common knowledge to any of us who are like middle-aged now who went through it uh, because Slaufeg went through holy hell um, trying to play metal in 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, in San Francisco. Uh, on the West Coast or anywhere in America, we went through hell. But Powers Court was one of the first bands we discovered, um, who were doing who, you know, uh, doing a similar thing to us, uh, really, by just sending demo tapes for us. Uh, eventually, uh, a CD, and, and they were one of the few bands that had a CD in '95, '96, and so were we. Not every underground band had a CD. So you heard Powers Court, then you heard Sacred Steel, who were also one of those bands, but from Germany, who was who was uh, on Metal Blade at the time. Um, Stormhammer, Stormhammer, my yeah. Garrett Mutz, Herr Mutz, and his band. We used to be great pen pals before the internet. And uh, it's like that comes from the album called Bloodlust. Yeah, the, the first time we went to Europe was when uh, Garrett Mutz of Sacred Steel and Rich Walker of Solstice asked us to come over and play with them. And so we paid for our own plane tickets, went to Wacken Festival, met up with both those guys and their bands, and went and played a few shows. It was awesome. That Incredible. Sacred Steel CD 99. is uh, the year 2000. Yeah, so that's the year after. Came I out on Metal Blade Records. Out and, played with them. and then Garrett from Sacred Steel and his friend Ralph, who I became good friends with, drove around Germany the next year when we uh, Slaufeg opened, uh, play, uh, toured with Solstice. Uh, from England, and then they went to Wacken again, and we drove around, and Garrett and Rolf, uh, Garrett from Sacred Steel, drove his car behind our van and uh, went to every show, and it was a real blast. And then we had, before that, Skullview, which we just talked about already, or did we? Yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. a little bit about Skullview. Okay, so one of the things that we're trying to do here with this um, episode is we want to do a little bit of Q&A earlier. Yeah. I posted a and thing online. And play some 38 special riffs, too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. And then some, oh, whatever. I don't know any of these songs, really. Okay, so uh, Tony Reynolds asks, um, how Tony much... Tony Randall? Tony Reynolds. You mean Felix Unger? He asks, yeah. uh, how much Traveler did you actually play, Mike? You mean in the game? Yeah, in the game. Oh, Tony Reynolds. You big bitch. I played a, I played, uh, a lot of Traveler. I played Traveler. I discovered it when I was in eighth grade, I think in 1982 maybe and um 
It's a little box set, if you remember it, uh, Tony. Uh, it's a, it's a, it was a small box, black box. It was a beautiful, very elegant-looking game. I loved everything about that game. It was my favorite role-playing game. I liked early, done, you know, basic D&D a lot, too. But I loved Traveler because it was so... Uh, it didn't have the trappings of even a sci-fi uh, game, uh, role-playing game. It wasn't fantasy-oriented in any way. It was sci-fi, of course, but it was very realistic. Scene. You know how, like, early science fiction books, uh, well, some from, like, the 50s and 60s, I guess, and even 70s, a lot of Heinlein and Bester and Asimov and uh, Ray Bradbury, sometimes they have this feeling of, like, they're not realistic, but they're trying to be... Uh, they, uh, they're trying to give a flavor of like sort of a noir kind of, the characters are kind of like noir characters, almost like Han Solo was, like anti-hero, cyberpunk, whatever. Kind of like, yeah, well, uh, down and out on the Solomon Rim, you know, here we go. Yeah, that's where I got the idea for that, uh, for, you know, uh, the songs about Traveler. Is it like kind of this gruff, grim, kind of been around noir character, like Humphrey Bogart or something like that, you know, um, in this far future universe, really far future. Uh, and so the books were looked like technical journals. They were, they were small books, and they, they didn't have, like, fancy sci-fi, you know, weirdo, goggly-eyed Martian laser or whatever uh, imagery. No fantasy imagery, none of that. They just had, like, these very technical uh, charts and graphs, and it was a really elegant role-playing system. Do you still have any of that? Oh, yeah, hell yeah. I've got you it. do? Yeah, okay. I got it all. Yeah, it's fantastic. It was, it was such a great game. It was very, and the greatest thing about Traveler is, I discussed this with someone recently, the greatest thing about Traveler was the character generation was so much fun. Because, you know, when you play role-playing games with your friends a lot, you just talk and talk away. And sometimes you never get past character generation, like making up the characters, rolling the stats. But in Traveler, it was so great because half the game was character generation, and you could get killed during character generation. That was a great thing about Traveler is that, you know, you had to join uh, the Marine, you know, the, the Merchant Marine or the Navy. You had to join a, join a military or sort of a rogue group like the Pirates, the Space Pirates or something. You had to join one of these groups. Space and, Pirates. Yeah, and spend like, so you roll to see if you get, you re-enlist. You spend a couple years, you, you re-enlist if you want to. And then you muster out. The more, the more years you do uh, in, in that uh, uh, military, uh, space military, you, you uh, muster out benefits at the end. So you'll get like you know, a laser uh, laser carbon or this or that and um or some some what is it like some uh, loaded gauss gun or some <laughs> reflex armor or all these things and you use a lot of blade weapons too it's interesting anyway anyway blades. so yeah blades so so you also during the time when you're in that military service you have to roll to see if you survive so during character generation you can get killed and it happens a lot it's really fun a really great game so I played a lot of it in eighth grade, ninth grade, uh, and through high school, like because it was a really great system. It's a really awesome, without going into details about the system. It's only six-sided dice, and the combat—I can't really remember—but uh, it was very simple and very elegant and very. It wasn't nerdy at all. It was very like technical, and it had a very, a very uh, uh, sterile sort of uh, uh, clinical feel to it. I love that game. So, yeah, I mean, I, it was worthy of making a record about uh, Battletech Budapest was my favorite character of mine. And uh, a lot of the lyrics in that album are from actual adventures that we played. From anyway. the books. I remember one time you showed me the books and um, and some of the words were in there. I, I mean, oh, yeah. 
So, Tony, to answer your question, a lot. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next question is there from... Ga- uh, someone said something about Gamma World in there, too. Go ahead. Um, yeah, 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 there was. The next question was from Brian Donlin. He says, any chance of your earlier releases, first five albums, will be reissued on vinyl in the near future? There is a chance. There's a chance. A very slim chance. But who cares, man? Just go on YouTube. We're gonna, we don't make any money anyway. No. No. Uh, There's a very cares? slim chance. No, no. Well, we can play them here. Why, what do you mean a slim chance? Why wouldn't they be reissued on vinyl? Because uh, it hasn't happened in a long time, and it's True. difficult to get the Dragonheart folks to uh Well, the first album still available out. from Cruz del Sur, I think. I don't know if that vinyl's still out. Really? I should ask don't him. Don't we Rico. have some? Oh, we did. Yeah. yeah. I, don't know. I have some at home. We uh, yeah. we send out our prayers and wishes for uh, anyone in Italy. Um, oh, uh, God. Cruz del Sur is going through a lot over there. Yeah. So, that's, you know, it's hard to could, talk uh, about that. Go to their website, and uh, if you can spare it, buy some of their merch and stuff. Yeah. They're, oh, my Okay, next question comes from uh, Ezekiel Castro. He wants to know if uh, we'd ever do a covers album, doing some cult hard heavy band covers like we like we, we already, already did, did that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want to do something. I want to do thirty eight special, man. I want to do something more poppy. No, we we already did. No, we'll do more of cult stuff. But we some did. southern rock. You no, do some I don't. Southern I'm rock? actually kidding. I don't like southern rock very much. Um, but except for Almond Brothers, we can do some Almond Brothers cover. Oh wait, I know some of that, man. We could be all fucking. What is it doing? That's gonna be our uh, Southern Rock. Wow, there. There you go. Okay. Uh, what's that guy's name? There you go. Ezekiel Castro. No, you don't want to hear uh, me doing uh, Jessica is the name of that song. Uh, Dickie Betts, who was awesome. But um, we did, well, we just played one, Heavy Metal Rules. We did a bunch of, we did, hell, we did Manila Road. We did a lot of that live recently because of Mark Sheldon, of course. We did. Um, that weird Irish band. Yeah, Horse Lips, Horse Lips which yeah. is an awesome band. We did, uh, wait, what? Oh fuck! What? Uh, oh, uh, Legend. Uh, you know, of course, on, on Twilight of the Idols. Um, uh, did that Fast Taker? Fast. From, uh, well, yeah, from Man of War. Yeah. So we did a lot of that. Maybe we'll do more. But I'd like to explore. What I like to do is covers of bands that aren't heavy metal and make it like we did when we did the Police. Uh, Synchronicity. Uh, Synchronicity too. Uh, that, you know, available on vinyl. Yeah, because it's basically a heavy metal song anyway. That the, the only one the Police probably ever really did in a way, and it's just such a great. A match for us that's such a great it clicked with us you know what was the other what other ma- oh alan parsons project we did uh that was not like super metal though that was like no, uh, yeah it's a, it's that, a was rockin'. Rockin'. that was rocking that was more rocking it's because what's his name sang it uh arthur brown sang that song originally yeah and that was why we did it because it's just so it just you know i hear a song like that and i go i heard that in angelo's car coming back from some crappy show we did up in the petaluma or something and he played that song uh on the alan parsons uh, Tales of Mystery and Imagination album, and I was like, "Who the hell's singing this?" He goes, "Oh, it's Arthur Brown singing it," and it sounded like a Slaufeg song. And I was like, "We have to do this song." Immediately knew that we should do that song. Um, other things we've thought of for covers, uh, I wanted to do an ABBA cover, but that didn't get much traction. I mean, obviously, I can't sing like that, but there was one song called "Tiger," which I wanted to do, and then we were thinking about. Okay, this is oh, there's a stretch, a John Denver song called The Eagle and the Hawk. Do you know that song? I do not know I that song. I am the eagle, Mike. I live in high country, you know. And uh, it's like it's I mean you could do it like a sl- it's, it's it doesn't sound like a John Denver song. It sounds like some big like like Wagnerian anthem or something. I John do, I'd like to do some Slade. He was very very German. Probably the most German guy ever, right? 
Anyway, so of course it makes sense. Um, Slade, yeah, that's yeah, that'd be Slade, a bit of a stretch but of like, the voice. But like play him a little bit faster and then maybe well, bring the key down a little bit. What kind of song? Not know. Come On, Feel the Noise. Someone else covered that already. Yeah, and Mama, We're Crazy Now got covered as well. I like Slade. Uh, what's my favorite Slade song? It's Far, Far Away or... There's a bunch of them that I like. Yeah, yeah. Like, far, far. I can't sing like Naughty Holder to save my life. I want to think of doing more covers that match my voice. But then we'd have to do like Sinatra or Dean, Dean Martin or, or The Doors or something. The stuff with that's like, easy with for the me blast to sing. beat in the middle? Do a Doors song. <laughs> I can sing like Jim Morrison. But... Um, Okay, we also yeah. get a similar question on Instagram from uh, Vinyl Call, asking if we're working on new music during these crazy times. Um, a little bit. Yeah, slightly. It's hard to be creative, man. It and is. It is right now hard to be creative. And yeah. I don't want to force it either. If it comes out, then great. That's yeah, yeah. You it's know. really hard to be creative right now because uh, I. This is something maybe we can talk about a little bit. Um, what's going on in the world right now? is difficult for more reasons than okay some people i think who live in big houses and have a lot of money or something some people well you know who are woodshedding right now going okay there's no way this is going to get me i live in the middle of switzerland in a castle or so or whatever the hell you know they're they're like uh able to just take this time and just relax and be creative but it's really difficult, I think, for people like us uh, and most most people, and a lot of people have it a lot way worse than we do here in San Francisco. Adrian and I are the only ones, that's why we're here, the only ones who live in San Francisco right now in our band. And I live by myself, and uh, but I live right smack in the middle of the city, like right in the middle. And so Adrian lives pretty close to the middle of the city too. And, you know, getting up in the morning you can't help, but the first thing you think about is, oh my God, what the hell is going on in the world? And this is crazy. You know, you forget, and then you wake up and you go, holy shit, that shit. And you either have to work or you don't, and you're doing it from home. And Adrian's filled with, you know, he has a ton of work to do from home because he has a real nine to five job. I don't, so I sometimes wake up and have to do things at work from home. But other times I get up, I don't want to turn the radio on, but I'm too curious and I feel like I have to. And then I'm just stressed out for the first couple hours. I try to wake up. I got to call somebody in my family or make sure everybody's okay or find out what's going to happen. And then I say, oh, yeah, I'm going to play guitar now. And I'm getting so, you know, I get so anxious. I have to go, you know, outside somewhere where there's nobody and exercise, you know, to get my head straight. And then I come home later and I, I can have a little creative time late at night. For me, I'm a late night guy. I think we both are. I'm a night guy. I love guy. the nightlife. Yeah, I got a, got a boogie. I'm a night guy. And so I stay up. Last night I stayed up till you know, 3.30 or whatever it was, which is normal a lot of times for me. And then I start to, I think, because the world seems like it's shutting down, you know, and like it feels like this is what it's always like late at night. This isn't any different. This is normal. And I start to relax a little. And I did come up with a couple riffs this last week. Um, which I haven't in a long time. It, but it remains to be seen whether it'll be worth anything because I can play riffs all I want in my own you know, room, my own house, whatever. If I get out with a band, uh, they may not sound It changes right. everything, yeah. But I did come up with a couple things because I've been sitting around the house, but only when I'm really chilling. Well, Adrian wrote a new, most of a new song recently. I got a few new things, but again, like you said, it's not until we can get everybody in the room to actually make it a song, you know? Oh, yeah, so. Yeah, so. So to answer your question, yeah, we're kind of working on some stuff, but uh, we're also um, just kind of dealing with it. But uh, now to, for you guys to deal with it out there, this is Skeletor from Seattle. This is We Are The True.
Okay, that was um, Cozy Powell, drummer uh, extraordinaire, uh, called Over the Top. It's from a 7-inch on red vinyl, taken from the album Over the Top. Cozy Powell, man. That's on ARO Records. This is, uh, it's got a pretty rad picture of him on the front. We were like talking a, about like a leather suit and his drum Yeah, we were talking about how that thing Amazing. that happened 20 years ago was, uh, what was it, that Rokas Helm 7-inch we had in here the other day. Um, and how Cozy Pal died probably 20 years ago, right? A long time ago now, yeah. Was it, what, 2000 or 2000 and something? I don't know. A drunk driving accident, right? Yeah, well, no, he was, he was drunk, I don't think. He was think doing he was a race a car driver. thing or something yeah, like yeah. that. I don't know. I read he was drunk driving. But it was it was a it was probably twenty years ago at this point. I'm not sure, but I think it was Yeah, that's one thing that we're not gonna do a whole lot of on this show. We're not gonna be doing a lot of fact checking. Yeah, because we don't know anything. Yeah, yeah no, because we're we just <laughs> <laughs> so nothing. Well, we that don't we're have saying the here we don't have internet right at our at our disposal right now and we don't really yeah. So since we do, let's it's uh we had school. a good question from uh Ronald Monk. He says, uh, he says, I promise no questions about Gamma World. Oh, but how shit. about something yeah. like, how did Mike meet Adrian? That sounds pretty, how did Mike meet Adrian? What is this, what, how I met your mother or something? Or what? <laughs> and then you can, then you can talk about I Angelo, too. Talk about how we met each other? Was yeah. it supposed it was to sound romantic or something? I think it was a Craigslist ad. Yeah, Adrian put out a Craigslist yeah. ad saying, like, I got what you need or some shit like that. Or, <laughs> or we said, or I don't know what, like. <laughs> we put in something really cheesy like that. Yeah. I got what you I think you baby. did. You used to say it on Craigslist. What a hoedhead. We, we used to say, like, uh, and you guys we need someone it. to do this, or Greg put it out, or whatever, and Adrian showed up. And I was like, eh, let's see what you got. And then he came down, didn't learn shit. Let's, let's be real here. You he, he came I'm down. real. You were your first audition? Yeah, yeah. I learned, like, maybe Nothing. the first riff. I learned the first riff of Sky Scott, you went. Yeah, you came down and went, and that was it. I gave him all this shit. Like, what the fuck, man? You know, he was lucky. He was the only guy here. So I was like, dude, you don't learn. But, but I my sweet, saying, my sweet you didn't Steve learn Harris anything. And I gave you a bag of shit. But then I said, um, okay, well, then I don't want to sit here and have to teach you these songs. But I remember I taught you the first. We ta I taught you Sky Cherries, and you picked it up pretty quick. Yeah. And then, okay, I think that's what it was. I taught you this song. I said, okay, you obviously can pick this up quick. So then go home and learn these. And then you came back and actually learned the song. You actually had gone home and did your homework. But the first time, like a lot of people, you were like, well, I'm not going to put a bunch of effort into this yeah, the first yeah. time because then you guys might be a bunch of shitheads, you know. So I understand. And they were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 20 years later, 19 years later. What is it, 19 years now? 19. It was finally uh, one of those times yeah. where all those years of practicing my Steve Harris licks came into, uh, came into play. Steve Harris licks. So, um, no, but anyway, okay, Gamma World. No, we want to talk Gamma about World. Gamma World. Uh, you didn't want to ask about Gamma World. Well, too bad, because I just talked about Traveler. Gamma World, I just want to give you one little thing about Gamma World. At home, I've got the um, the Game Master, Dungeon Master screen for Gamma World, which was the first futuristic game, a TSR, I think, D&D. You know, I don't know. But uh, Errol Otis did a lot of the artwork for that original, for the, the screen and for the original game, uh, who also did... Down Among the Dead Men album cover and uh, Twilight the Idols album cover for us. So that was Errol Otis, my favorite, uh, you know, role-playing game artist. Totally cool guy, too. Lives over in Berkeley. A anyway, so that Gamma World, I, I never bought it. Some friend of mine got it, and we tried playing it uh, a couple times, and it never quite worked. I remember once we were playing, and we realized that it didn't make any sense at all because... Uh, if you used an arrow, you shot someone with an arrow or a dagger, 
it would do like one to four points of damage, but your fist did one to six or something, or whatever. It was, it was insane. Like, you, I remember these guys, we were playing Gamma World, and I was dungeon mastering. These guys were trapped in this room. They were trying to escape. And the guy's trying to shoot an arrow or stab somebody in this, you know, dystopian future nuclear holocaust world. And he realized, looking at the book and the charts, that he did more damage by punching the guy. So he put all his weapons down and started punching the guy. And, did, and it, was, it didn't make any sense. And there was all these weird flow charts to try to learn how to do technology. Anyway, Gamma World is awesome. The artwork by Earl Otis was awesome. And I was going to say, um, oh, you didn't want me to talk about Gamma World. Okay, well, we met each other on Craigslist. Not to talk about Gamma World. And then uh, <laughs> Angelo was the one that was more like the underground hero story. Yeah, that was more organic. It was more organic, yeah. Because he knew, already knew you guys. I knew Angelo way back. I mean, not way back. In, like From the time we put our first album out, Angelo got a hold of it. Not knowing, I didn't know who Cold Morning, his band was, and he didn't know who Slaufeg was until our first album came out in 96. A guy named Rob Preston, who was a big record collector around here, who ended up putting out the vinyl of Twilight of the Idol. Rob connected a lot of people. He did. And he, and he said, hey, you know Angelo, man, down in Monterey, Cold Morning? And I said, no, I don't. I got no idea who that is. This is like 95, 96, I guess, and, uh, or 96, 97, or whatever. And so then I get this call out of nowhere, this guy, and he's all, hey, yeah, all right, kind of talking like like Jerry Seinfeld or something. Like, a, <laughs> like oh, yeah, you know, and I was like, that's the way Angela <laughs> and, he, and I was like, hey, what's that? And he's like, yeah, man, I got your album. It's great. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Let's, let's trade the tapes or whatever. And I met Angelo, and we used to have these long phone conversations uh, from here to Monterey, exactly long distance back then when we weren't cell phones. I remember I was at my girlfriend's house once and I called Angelo, talked to him for like two hours. And it was like 30 <laughs> bucks. Or, it was like 30 bucks. And uh, <laughs> But we'd have these big long conversations. We had a lot in common. We liked a lot of the same bands. We grew up with the same music, you know, a lot of the hardcore scene in the 80s. So we kind of bonded that way. And then when John left in 95, right after Atavism, uh, Angelo was sort of like the first guy I thought of. And Angelo had been up here wanting to buy an amp off one of us. And he tried it out, and I heard him play a little bit before we, even, before John even left. Or s right in that period of time when John left. And Angelo was playing through the amp, and I was saying, you want to buy this thing or whatever. And I heard him play some licks, and I was like, yeah, he could probably do it. And then I said, you want to come to jam? Whatever. And one thing led to another, and it was perfect. Um, yeah, we didn't even really try anybody else out, did we? I didn't want, with guitar players, I don't like trying people out. I don't like experimenting. Yeah, I usually you kinda, know you who I knew. want. With guitar players, John Cobbett, Chris Hay way back when, Andrew Seba, who never made it on any records, um, and Angelo. It's, just, it's a very specific sound, a very specific style, a very specific kind of guitar player that can actually play with me. I don't. It's different than like a drummer or bass player. I think it's it's more, I don't know, what would you say, like the way the guitars have to gel a certain way. You guys got to be able to... Uh, to hit all the the complimentary notes and stuff. And also it's like the sound and the kind of stuff you're in, like the rawness of it. You He's know. into the same thing, so it's cool. Yeah, and so is John. And so so like if you like with a bass player, like okay, suppose you used a certain type of bass, it wouldn't really matter as much. Right. What type of bass or kind of drums. But with a guitar player, it's like I want someone who uses like a Gibson or something, you know, or a Flying V or, or, or a, a tra I mean, oh, single channel, high or, gain, oh, massive humbug. And it, yeah, and, a, and an amp that makes, like, they have to be, it has to be a raw sort of old school yeah. uh, sound. It's not really going to work if someone comes in and he's got, like, a fucking Charvel playing through a, you know, a line six or something, you know. I don't want Izzy Busy in my band, you know, I want Vinnie Vintage. 
I want Vinny I want no, I don't know. I don't want Vinny Vinci. I don't want to go wretch through a fucking box. But but anyway. Yeah. Okay, so we're now we're gonna go back to the Q and A thing. Oh, uh, yeah, we're gonna yeah. switch over to the Twitter. Um got a couple of things on the Twitter here. Um Jen Raziel says uh, Who, hope it's Jen? not too late. Jen Jen G I N R A Z I E. We don't know, do we? We don't know. It's Twitter. Uh, hope it's not too late, but I love some reading recommendations for the extended stay at home. Reading? Fic- fiction preferred. What are you reading? What's good? Is that for, for one both of us, us I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, what are you reading? Uh, right now, I'm reading, I'm reading the uh, biography of Sam Phillips. Sam Phillips was the guy who started Sun Records in Memphis, Tennessee oh, there you go. in the 40s. <coughs> he also had a radio. S- he had the first ever all-female radio station. In like 1952 or something, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, this is the sound, 1952. W H E R. Or maybe it sounded more like this. It was all ching, 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 ching. Or something like that. Anyway, no. Yeah, really I'm reading the really. Sam Phillips biography. It's it's really good. It's like uh, it's long. It's like 800 pages. But he uh, he discovered Elvis, uh, Howl- Cash, Howlin' yeah. Wolf, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, Starship uh, Rabinowitz. So, so many, Jackson. so many amazing people, yeah. and put out a bunch of records. <coughs> so yeah, that's what I'm reading. Uh, Mike, what are you reading? Well, I'm reading like five. I read like five books at a time. I have a low attention span, right? Anyway, hey, how'd no you way, like really? that candy we got last week? No, wait, no. Um, <laughs> cotton candy. Uh, anyway. Uh, no, I'm, I got the – right now, okay, this is weird, but because we have this downtime, I have the time to read whatever I want. And I have had a lot of time, actually, in the last year or two. I haven't been teaching as much as I used to, um, and I've been able to read more of what I want. And uh, right now I'm reading Roots by Alex Haley. I've seen the movie, you know, when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, un- cool. It changed my life completely, that movie, really – it doesn't even a movie; it's a TV series, but it made a major impact on me as a kid, and now everyone I knew, or pretty much, big thing. And so I never read the book; I never got around to reading Alex Haley's Roots. So now I'm reading that book, which is awesome. Uh, it's just—it's a real page turner. It is. I'm reading, strangely, uh, Tolstoy's Anna Karenin, the classics, you know, yes. which I read like five pages every day, and then go. Uh, it's exhausting reading the classics because even though it's a fantastic book. It's hard for us in our current mindset to get through books like War and Peace and you know Tolstoy and it's tough to digest and uh, like the Three Musketeers, these big long books or uh, what else is from that? You know, those those classics are are really um, yeah, it's tough to digest and it's told Dickens, you know, Tale of Two Cities, like they're they're different. They're very very or, or even uh, Swain's way, even uh, like something like. Uh, um, uh, it's more Proust language. or something. It's a heavy, yeah. la- heavy language. Well, it's that, but it's, it's also a heavy language, slow. Man. It goes slow. It, it's, reading a book back in those days was more like doing a project, and not everybody could do it, not everybody could afford it. Anyway, different thing. Um, no TV. But well, it's like yeah. It, but uh, I'm also reading Salman Rushdie's, uh, which I never read before. I can't remember the name of the damn book. I'm also reading a book about parasites. Uh, it's, it's so like, you it's have a, all these in process at the same time? Yeah, I'm kind of, I've been reading all these since like January. They're piled up on my, you know, this book about parasites, which is very, very good about the social implications of parasites, but also actual parasites. I had to stop reading that when the COVID-19 thing happened because it's yeah, freaking yeah. me out, you know. And then uh, what else am I reading? Oh, um, damn it. Well, yeah, the rest of it's like, you know, philosophy stuff. The Revolt Against Dualism by Alvin yeah, Alan philosophy Bolton, stuff. That. That's yeah. more you know, work stuff. But but um, but uh, 
but yeah, those are the ones I'm reading. I don't know if those are very good suggestions, though, for like somebody do. Oh, I, well, shit. I reread um, uh, uh, Blade Runner, you know, do, do Electric Sheep, Dream of Electric Sheep or whatever it is uh, recently. That's a good one by, by uh, Philip K. Dick. Read some Philip K. Dick. It's dystopian. It's sort of like what's going on right now. Anyway, there's my suggestion. There you go. So recommendations. Okay, back over to uh, back over to Facebook. Uh, Jason Tifle, Tifle, uh, longtime listener. Definitely, uh, this dude's been following Slaufeg for many, many years. He says, uh, "Tales from the Road are always fun." Uh, what's the biggest oh crowd you've ever played? That's pretty pathetic i don't think i want to talk about that because it's not okay. nearly as much as the best no 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 the biggest crowd is only a few thousand people like at like sweden rock or something I don't know. yeah probably sweden several rock. thousand I don't know. sweden rock it wasn't was like rad. it wasn't seventy thousand like that like twisted sister played for but it was and the guy know. who runs sweden rock is so cool he was the nicest man Which we, guy? we met him um the guy we met last year again last yeah, year yeah oh yeah he was so cool what was his name he is really cool to hang out with he's just this dude who's like you know you're sitting next to him at a bar in sweden uh, in where were we? Not Stockholm, but was the other, the place where the university is. The uh, it was in the middle of nowhere, man. No, no, that show we played recently, a year ago. Yeah, in in a year and a half. No, ago. in in Helsinki, we played in Helsinki. Helsinki. Yeah, we didn't play in Sweden. Just Wait, I'm, uh, I'm confused. No, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Rock. No, 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 no. No, we played in Sweden on the tour with Jeff last the summer before last. Gothenburg. Gothenburg, that's yes, in Sweden. At the right? Abyss. Yeah, at the Abyss. At the it was abyss. awesome. And so he was, that guy was sitting next to me at the bar. I didn't even know it was the guy from Sweden Rock. And we were just like, he was buying me drinks and we were talking yeah. all this shit. And it was, he was a really fun dude. And him and his wife or his girlfriend or something. And suddenly he's like, you know, I'm the guy from Sweden Rock. Oh, really? Oh, you're okay. Because I'd met him, but I didn't remember, you know. Anyway, super nice guy. How did we get onto this? Oh, because uh, we played for a big yeah, crowd. Yeah, that there. was rad. Sweden Rock. That was the biggest was festival we've ever done, I think. Sweden I'd Rock. I'd love to do that again. Great, because we had to play with Twisted Sister or right before them, I guess. But on a not on the same day, we played the same time and as the food was Foreigner. really good. And the crazy thing was that right after we played, um, uh, regardless of you know that we didn't play for the full seventy thousand people, of course, uh, right after we played was Grand Slam, which was Phil Lynott's band right before he died, right after Thin Lizzy. Without him, of course, played that was weird. Eric Bell was there from Thin Lizzy. That I got to sit across from at breakfast, cool. very awkwardly. Uh, not awkwardly, but we had met his wife years before. She did sound nice. for us, so I had to know his wife. And then my big rock star experience there was, of course, Carmen Apice in the oh hot yeah, tub. Yeah. Oh, Carmine in the hot yeah, tub. Carmine in the hot tub, man, that was pretty awesome. Anyway, got to hear his life story, see him nude because in Sweden everybody goes to the spa in the, in the buff. Anyway, so yeah, fun rock star experiences. Yeah, but the crowd was pretty big. Anyway, what what's his next question? Okay, here's a good one that he asks. Um, um, if you could only have three pieces of media to quarantine yourself with. Oh, Jesus. So book, comic, music, video game, <laughs> film, etc. Dice. What do you think? Roll the dice. Uh, well, yeah, I'd probably go books, records. Oh, you mean like just general, not like media. a specific book or record? Yeah, just media, media type. Oh, media, media type. type. Not even like. Yeah. So I'd go books, records, and and, uh, movie. and eight millimeter films. Easy. I got a big box of eight millimeter films. That, that one's I, not that hard to answer. And yeah. I like to uh, I like to watch them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that sometimes when we're out and about, cruising through towns, and I go to the uh, thrift stores, 
secondhand shops, I always look for Cruising through towns. I do, yeah. We're <laughs> <laughs> ripping through your town. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ripping through your town, I like Going to find to the old store, uh, trying to find old women's uh, uh, shirts to wear and stuff. Yeah. I do literally. Yeah, Mike does that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I look. I collect the eight millimeter film reels. Well, you uh, know, you cartoons, get into that mode. horror movies, uh, other people's family films and stuff. It's amazing. You get on that mode when you're when you're on tour, which we haven't been on that much. Well, last summer we were on it quite a bit, but not. But we haven't been on road trips where you're doing show after show after show after show. And when we used to do it a lot. You get into that. You get you get kind of into a, a very fun but not so healthy mode of just like once you get used to not sleeping and you know being sort of jacked all the time and you and you're like, oh yeah, I know I got really into going to thrift stores and buying well pla- not places like San Francisco or New York but places like where did I find that bejeweled shirt shirt that looked like it was at you know Neil Diamond's uh, garage sale, uh, Council Bluffs, um, Nebraska, Nebraska. And I like going and buying really schlocky looking sat. You know, I get into this vibe. Surprise! I want to look like Jimi Hendrix or something, and uh, uh, you know, bald Jimi Hendrix, bald white Jimi Hendrix. You know, and it, you know, like uh, oh, there's a lot of guys like that. Uli Roth, you know, Uli Frank Marino, and you you get a I don't know if Frank Marino's bald, and um, you start buying in those places. You can actually it, it's not all picked over like it is in the cities. You can find bejeweled. Uh, you know, puffy women's blouses that are satin and, you know, from like 1971 or whatever and for like five bucks, you know, try them out on stage. It's kind of fun. That's what the rock stars used to do, you know. They get designers to do them for you, you know. But why okay, not? now we're going to play some more music. This is uh, Rocky Erickson. Uh, how about some, uh, some Creature with the Adam Brain?
crawling. lying on the ground in a ruined churchyard. I felt unable to leave him to the mercy of the red weed and decided to bury him decently. The parson's eyes flickered open. He was alive. in the sky. His demons were here all along, in our hearts and souls, just waiting for a sign from him. And now they're destroying our world. But they're not devils, they're Martians. We must leave here. Look, the house still standing. Come, Nathaniel, quickly. We took shelter in a cottage, and black smoke spread, hemming us in. Then the fighting machine came across the field, spraying jets of steam that turned the smoke into thick, black dust. of the devil is heard in our land. Listen, do you hear them drawing near in their search for the sinners? Feeding on the power of our fear and the evil within us. Incarnation of Satan's creation of all that we dread. When the demons arrive, those alive be better off dead. There must be something worth living for. There must be something worth trying for. Even something's worth dying for. And if one man can stand tall, there must be hope for us all. Somewhere, somewhere in the spirit of was a time when I believed without hesitation that the power of love and truth could conquer all in the name of salvation. Tell me what kind of weapon is love when it comes to the fight? And just how much protection is true against all Satan's might? There must be something worth living for. 
spent the night making a new machine. It was a squat, metallic spider with huge, articulated claws. But it, too, had a hood in which a Martian sat. I watched it pursuing some people across a field. It caught them nimbly and tossed them into a great metal basket upon its back. Beth, she's dead! Buried under the rubble! Why? Why did you take one of your own? There is a curse on mankind. We may as well be resigned to let the devil, the devil take the spirit of man. passed in our dark and dusty prison, the parson wrestled endlessly with his doubts. His outcries invited death for us both, and yet I pitied him. amazing man i never heard that before yeah oh man that was okay i've had that record for for a while that was um something that i know that was long so sorry if that was that you had to endure no, that but, but um that uh was war of the worlds 1978 the british version of war of the worlds with richard burton doing the um narrating and as you may have noticed phil Linet, uh thin lizzie doing the uh the part of that parson there, Nathaniel. Um, not sure who the woman was on there, but it's a double, uh, 
double record. Um, is it gatefold? Does uh, it have awesome yeah, hardware? yeah. I, I don't have it, it. I had a fire at my place, and the uh, the um, the the sleeve got water damaged in your garage, actually, eventually. Yeah, and so I had to get rid of the sleeve to that and many other records. The Earth Under the Martians on yeah. Columbia Records. Yeah, that was called. That song was called uh, "The Spirit of Man." Phil Linet on vocals. It's a double record, uh, and it has uh, the Moody Blue, Justin Hayward, the Moody, Moody Blues, a bunch of, you know, rockers from that period, British rockers from that period, doing these different songs based around H.G. Wells' uh, War of the Worlds, narrated by Richard Burton. So it's pretty awesome, I think. Very 70s sci-fi sound to it. One of my favorites. But yeah, not a lot of people who know, uh, like Thin Lizzy, not, not everybody knows about that record, man, that Phil made his little cameo appearance there. He did a, I think it's awesome. He did a fantastic job on, a, on that record. He really sounded great. I really love the custom font on the record label. Yeah. It's on the well, red. I wish I still had the sleeve. The red Columbia label. It. Forgotten in a fire. Um, okay, so uh, Mike's digging out of his uh, personal collection of stuff here. Uh, this is some old uh, Hammers and the Misfortune yeah. stuff, Mike, huh? Um, What's up with Hammers? The second record we did, the August Engine, there is a version of a song called The Church of Broken Glass, Glass, Broken Glass, which is a great song written by John Cobbett, of course. Um, nice harmony, myself on vocals with Janice Tanaka, of course, from that record. Uh, but this song never got released on this record. This version of it's never really been heard. Uh, but there was an, an album called Church of Broken Glass much later, or two albums later. Uh, Jesse Quattro and uh, Patrick Goodwin on vocals, I think, on that one. But the song was written years before for me and Janice to sing. And so this version, which I love, uh, never made it onto the August Engine album. But well, I really like how we uh, we sang together on this. Uh, we weren't even we weren't in the same room. We never even saw each other, and we learned the song at separate times in separate places, actually. Different this studio. was the last bit of you and Janice in the original lineup, pretty yeah, much. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the last thing we did together uh, with her. And it's funny. I sang it in one studio and learned it, just learned it right there and sang it. And then she learned it and sang it in a different studio. Never saw each other, you know, through the whole process. What studio was that? We had sa sang together a lot before live and in the studios. Mine was at Tim Green's studio. I don't remember the name of that studio. Louder Studios or something like that. Up in up in uh, Excelsior District, and she sang hers in Justin Weiss's, I think Justin Weiss's studio of Trackworks, I believe. Was he already in South San Francisco? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. yeah, it came out great. Really like this song. So. All right, cool. Hammers and Fortune. First time anybody's really Church of Broken Glass. Yeah, yeah. Coming to you. I thought I had a prayer down in this church. I'm broken glass But I awoke To find myself asleep And in glass My soul decayed 
Okay, yeah, so that was a pretty cool uh, Hammers track there, Mike. Yes, it was terrific. Okay, so uh, once again, this has been Slowfeg Radio, Season 1, Episode 1, part, part 1 of the miniseries. Yeah, so we're going to close it out here yeah. with... And uh, just so you know, just next time you listen in, I'm going to reveal that, one, uh, that guy Enrique, what was his name? Ezekiel, he asked about new songs. Oh, I yeah? forgot to say that I'll, I will uh, debut my new... Um, so see, I think what's going to happen after the coronavirus... Is there's going to be a sexual revolution the like if we've never seen I- in America or in Western society. Like because like no one America. can have sex now or meet anybody new if you're like me and you're a total freaking whatever loser. Uh, th- then all of a sudden all these people have been pent up in their house, you know, up in their houses all holed up are going to start getting laid like it's oh, there's going to be, you know, it's going to be a sexual revolution. And instead of masks and rubber gloves and sanitizer, we're going to have to be like mass manufacturing all the old rubber gloves and sanitizer and and masks are going to be turned into prophylactics and you know things like that lube whatever and then uh there's going to be this massive sexual revolution everybody's going to be doing it everybody and everything and so i'm writing this song much in the spirit of like the paul stanley sort of positive self-help uh stuff that he did you know that's going to be that i'm going to debut called put it where you want it you know it's a put it where, put it where you, you want, want it. it yeah yeah it's, it's good <laughs> It's going to be great. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening. Anyway, We're going to yeah. close it out here with the Poison, Radio. Yeah. Poison Treasures 7-inch from 2006. This is uh, something we did with our Bible of the Devil pals from Chicago. It, uh, is that family friendly? I don't know how many there were made, but uh, I still have one here, and uh, we'll see you next time. Poison treasure Kamikaze and his blade On a vagabond crusade Only seeking pleasure In the asphalt holy wars Open eyes and open sores Viral architecture In a spoiled nation's plight But he given up the fight And now they're here forever You're down among the dead Your sentence has been read but I was only seeking pleasure, and now it must be fair. Only seeking pleasure, and now it must be.